Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast, where we take what you loved about our first Star Wars episode, gussy it up, and serve it up to you all over again. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. The greatest teacher of failure is... We're talking Star Wars, the sequel trilogy. Hey, Ben. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? Uh, It's going well. Um, Been watching a lot of Star Wars lately. Yeah, it's been a busy month. Yeah, I've started dreaming in bocce. <laughs> no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here we are. It, it seems weird uh, recording again so soon after the last episode, because we usually, you know, we release every other week, but we've been hitting it hard these last couple episodes to, to pump everything out before we go see The Rise of Skywalker on uh, Friday. Yeah, it's coming up quick. So here we are on our last episode. Before uh, we go catch that flick, we are going to be closing out the Skywalker saga with episode nine. So we went ahead and we watched uh, episode seven, Force Awakens, and episode eight, The Last Jedi. Um, what's your What's your overall feeling coming out of this? I hadn't seen either of them since they came out. I think I came away with a little bit better appreciation for the movies than I had going into them. Oh, shit. watching them a second time. Okay. I was preparing myself for, for a bit of debate. You know, like in the past, we were, we were kind of two sides of the coin on a lot of subjects. And you've historically had a, had a bit more of a negative outlook on these new movies than I have. Uh, I think I still do. <laughs> yeah, probably. But it's better than it was going into it, so... Yeah, probably similar to to how I came out of Empire with a with better appreciation of it. Yeah, it, this was only the second time I'd seen either of them. Like I didn't, you know, I wasn't thrilled about them, so I didn't really go back and watch them a bunch of times. And so I caught a few things I didn't catch before, good and bad. Well, yeah, and having only seen a movie once and it being the first time you're viewing it, you're definitely not in analysis mode. Yeah, not at all. Exactly. So let's just get it out of the way right in the uh, right from the from the start here the big gripe with force awakens you know coming out out of a uh shit when did that movie come out four years ago five years ago the force awakens was released in uh 2015 so yeah four years ago there were like one every two years yeah yeah there's a there's a good you know just about uh, about a decade gap between trilogies and we were coming out of a trilogy that was less than uh than popular and less than uh than well received <laughs> yeah i think that's that's fair so the big gripe with with uh force awakens was that it was a retread i i do air quotes here for the audio listeners of a new hope now was that something that bothered you because i mean in all fairness it it did retread a lot of the uh the same territory it didn't make me angry or anything. It was like, well, how dare you do this? Um, but I, I came away a little disappointed by the fact that uh, it was so similar. Like, I understood it. I empathized with what they were trying to do. I've characterized it in the past as kind of like a, like a, an apology. I think um, you, I it think was a little you harsher. Say, I, my, my, it was, it, I had characterized it as a sad, apologetic handjob to fans. Saying yeah. like, hey, I realize I fucked up. We fucked up real bad with the prequels. 
And we're, we're real sorry about that. Here's some of that good Star Wars you love so much. Yeah. George Lucas is out in this trilogy, so the, we, we won't have him and his dialogue. We're going to bring in filmmakers that were inspired by the original trilogy, and they want to give you more of that. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, personally, like, I understand why people would have that gripe, that it hits too many of the same beats, you know, even like a desert planet. Like, a, a lot of it seems a little, ooh, I was about to say forced. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, the puns are strong with this one. Yeah, a little, little ham-fisted. Um, but personally, it never bothered me one single bit because the the one thing that was the biggest problem I had with the prequel trilogy in general was that it just didn't feel like Star Wars to me, and that that's the one thing that Force Awakens has going for it, in my opinion, is that. It feels like Star Wars. You are undoubtedly in a Star Wars world. It's almost like um, like if you went to an amusement park. I, I bet it's similar to how it feels going into Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. You know, just you are in Star Wars. It was definitely Star Wars. It felt more like Star Wars than the prequels did. That's for sure. And like, like I said, it wasn't it didn't it didn't bother me. It, I was just a bit let down because I was really hoping for something new, I guess hoping for something that I hadn't seen before, some, you know, more Star Wars. I wanted more Star Wars. And I guess I got some more Star Wars, but it was like more of the same Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. There, there were no great Star Wars surprises to elevate what came before. Not like the plot in A New Hope was super original either. Yeah. But it was just, it's, it seemed a little done. And uh, I get it because it was tried and true. So it'd be hard to fuck up. Star Wars fans are notoriously critical. Yeah. And and notoriously defensive of their property and their their fandom. Yeah, it's very precious to them. Yeah. And so I you know, it was a pretty safe bet to kind of rehash a lot of the same stuff from a new hope because then at least they, you know, you got some defense like what well, well, we did that in a new hope and you liked it. So <laughs> how how are you going to poo-poo this? Yeah. You know, George Lucas took a big risk with the prequels and it didn't necessarily pan out. So no, it go, definitely didn't go not. back to a nice safe bet. Yeah. Throw in some X wings. Let's get that millennium Falcon back. Let's uh, get some of our old primary cast back and let's craft a new story that, that will involve the diehard original trilogy fans, but we'll also introduce it to a new set of fans. You know, also, it seems like 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 they're a bit untethered uh, as opposed to the prequel trilogy where the the prequel trilogy had a predetermined end and there wasn't going to be more stories with the cast that that you fell in love with with that because it, it was destined for for a tragic ending. Um, with this one, you can bring back your old characters, you can introduce new ones and move forward from that and and you know live in the world that you loved before. So in this one we've got we've got a new core cast. We've got our uh, our Ray, the the little lady from the desert planet, who's kind of our uh, our Luke analog. She's strong with the Force. Um, she's a little scavenger. Yeah, she's definitely Luke's stand-in. Yeah, didn't didn't she also have like a moment in Force Awakens where she you know stared? She has her like her double sunset moment, you know, with the swell of the music. You know, we're like, okay, she's destined for something big. Yeah, you could tell that she was important. And then you have uh, you have Finn, who is a defecting, defected, def, def, defect, Des, yeah, deserter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a stormtrooper, and he doesn't have the stomach for it. 
So uh, so he's going to get out. And then we've got Poe Dameron, who, uh, who is the ace pilot. And we've got a cute little droid. Well, you got to have the cute little droid. Yeah. You got to, and you got to take them all kinds of places where it's completely ill-advised and inappropriate to bring a droid. <laughs> Just like in the originals. Yeah. <laughs> and he's storing some very important information that he's got to get to the, uh, to the Rebel Alliance. It's kind of funny talking about, about these, uh, these story beats, you know, being so similar, but like, I don't say it with, uh, with anger or vitriol or, or any sort of negative connotation. Personally, I love Force Awakens. I love that, you know, with this new cast, we're we're getting into some shenanigans that even though it may be familiar, I'm I'm invested in where they're going. And then when they when they get to throw in the old characters along with it, and then the mystery of, you know, where is Luke Skywalker? It it totally grabbed me because Luke Skywalker was my my favorite character of the original trilogy. So you know, that, that's what I'm wondering coming into this new thing. It's like, okay, cool. Let's, let's see Leia and let's see Han, but like, where the fuck's Luke? I remember hearing about early versions of the script. They were, uh, they were talking about the movie was going to open up with like Luke's hand floating in space and it was going to have some, some weird, and I don't know if that's where like the clone theories came from or what, but, but like that, that would have been a very interesting visual to start off with. Yeah. I don't know about that. I like that they started the movie with action. Thought that was pretty good. Like a nice, a nice land battle. Yeah, you got Max von Sydow as a, as an old man passing off some uh, some sensitive information. You got your brand new stormtroopers with those fucking sleek uniforms. In general, in the sequel trilogy, I think they did a really good job with production and design. I mean, everything just looks fucking good. Yeah, everything is kind of a step up. All the you know, it's it's been you know, 40 years since the first one, the original ones came out. So it makes sense that, you know, special effects and stuff are better, but I think they did a really good job making it feel and look like star Wars, but modern and good with the, with the proper production values that we expect now. Yeah. In a post MCU world. Yeah. No shit. I mean, yeah. Like, like even on the desert planet there, when Poe's going to jump into his X-wing, you're like, holy shit, there's an X-wing that is undoubtedly an X-wing. And it is a physical prop. He's jumping in it. Fuck yeah, X-Wings. You know, when they're in their, their bases, it feels like the old like Death Star bases or the, uh, or the Star Destroyer um, hangers. You know, it, 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 again, it feels familiar. Yeah, there was a, a good smattering of practical and digital effects yeah. in these movies. And, and a load of at least full-scale practical vehicles. Like there was X-Wings and a Millennium Falcon and little, you know, airport luggage carts that they used (laughs) (laughs) but there's a lot of things that were real where in the prequels it all would have been cgi 100 percent green screen yeah and there there were a lot of good creature effects like uh that that over bloated uh junkyard dude that hands out the rations for uh for the scavengers who was actually played by simon Pegg. oh really yeah i didn't know that He, he was under all that trash huh well and like some of the alien races that they had you know, with the uh, resistance, you could tell we're also just people in little practical suits walking around in the background. Yeah, they had like a Admiral Akbar was there, and I think they they also had one of those that that gill lipped man. Yeah, they, they also did. had one of those running around. Yep, and they had another guy with like big eyes and a furry face, and then another dude in the background at one point that was like nine feet tall. Oh shit! Walking around, but it looked you know it could that could have been CGI. I don't know. It's it's getting harder and harder to tell practical from 
digital these days. Yeah, and, yeah. And a lot of stuff's a mix between the two. Well, and and with mocap too, like the, it they they move so much more naturally now. Yeah. Like that uh, that Maz Kanata character, like undoubtedly CGI, but yeah. but she moved like a uh, like a human. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I guess one one final note on that is uh, Puppet Yoda. Oh Puppet yeah, Yoda. Yeah, and he looked freaking great. Yeah, in Last Jedi, we we got to we got to see Force Ghost Yoda show up, and he was a fucking puppet again. And thank you so much. Yeah, not not the weird, creepy prequel puppet. Like a he looked <laughs> he, he looked like Yoda, and he moved like Yoda. And when he you know started the fire, he like did his little dance and giggle like Yoda. And I was like, yes, this is the Yoda I know and love. <laughs> I, I'm so happy to see him again. Now in there we also have our uh, our new villain, our Darth Vader analog, who is uh, Kylo Ren, uh, leader of the Knights of Ren. Even though you wouldn't really know it, despite a uh, passing reference to it. Yeah, there is. Uh, I think they mention it once, and I think in her the first vision she that uh, Ray has when she grabs the lightsaber, mm-hmm. like it shows him standing with some guys behind him. You know, and like some yeah. slain folks on the ground. I'm assuming those are the Knights of Ren. I would imagine so. Doesn't really go into much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I hear we're going to we're going to see them in the new movie. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm thinking that they're probably and I haven't done a lot of reading into it. So um, I, especially now I've been avoiding the Internet. Oh, and, yeah. As much as I can. Because it's like it's, there's just everything, especially with the early like reviews and stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Like I see the headline and I'm like, nope, nope, n- don't don't want any of that. Yeah, a lot of these online news outlets have gotten uh, really irresponsible with their headlines lately. Yeah. Well, because they want you to click. You know, they want to draw you in. But son of a bitch, like, you can come up with a compelling headline without actually saying, like, uh, you know, just giving something away blatantly. I ran into a couple of those things on on Facebook, like, I think Bleeding Cool or Screen Rant. You know, I'm just like, you fucking dickheads. Yeah, I think it it was Screen Rant. I saw one that was... uh potentially spoilery i don't you know i don't know if it's true or not don't say it no i'm not gonna say it i'm not a dick <laughs> but yeah i saw it and i was like oh i i, I don't want to see that oh Please, man no but the yeah, i'm hope, i'm hoping the knights of ren are the luke's disciples that he took with him that's what i'm thinking because uh, it, it mentioned that he kind of that he left with you know he killed some of his disciples and left with some of the others and so that means more jedi like dudes with force powers and lightsabers and uh, that could only be good. Yeah, that's that's uh, Kylo Ren's thing. He's uh, he's the son of of Leia and Han. He's super force sensitive, of course. It's in his blood. It's in those. He's super emotionally sensitive too. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that guy, he's a wreck. So Luke was training a, a new generation of Jedi, and Kylo is seduced by the dark side and fucks everything up. And that's why Luke is gone. So the whole mystery in the first one is them trying to trying to recover. A uh, piece of a map that can lead them to Luke Skywalker, which I imagine would be so he could lead them to victory against uh, against the First Order, the the analog for the Empire. One of the things I've had with these movies is, um, like, I don't understand, like, like the adult in me doesn't suspend disbelief as well as the kid did mm-hmm. when I watched the original ones. And so, like, it wonders things like, Okay, so if the Empire got scattered, where does the First Order get all the money to build all this stuff? They built a planet-sized weapon. Yeah. Like, not even that. They took a planet and built and turned it into a weapon. Like, how how are they funding this? Where are they getting this money? Space bucks. Yeah, they're out. They're sitting out there in the uh, 
in the outer rim and the unknown territories, you know, they kind of got pushed out of the core of the galaxy and somehow they've seemed to have really deep pockets. Yeah. It's going to make you wonder, uh, coming out of, out of, uh, return of the Jedi, when the empire is destroyed, like how many of those star systems were feeling oppressed and angry at the empire? And how many of them were just like, wait, what the fuck are these assholes doing? Like the empire's great. And, and so, why, so why, just am like, I, why am I not getting my mail anymore? What's yeah. going on out there? Yeah. Like, well, we, we certainly need to start up a new empire. I mean, okay. First order sounds good. I, I would presume a lot of them. Cause like I said, in the, the first one, the, the rebels seem to be pretty homogenous. Yeah. Like there didn't seem like there was a huge amount of worlds that were really bought into that. It was, you know, the, the core, you know, the galactic core human dominated races. They didn't seem to have a lot of buy-in from, uh, other planets yeah so they've somehow risen with a bunch of kids in very key positions like that that general hux he uh i bet we are older than him but he's like commanding all the forces of the first order and giving super impassioned over dramatic spittle filled speeches that are (laughs) that are super nazi reminiscent oh yeah yeah that scene right before they fire the weapon that is uh, totally calling back to some Adolf Hitler. Yeah. At least they raise their left hands instead. So they're not Nazis. Well, yeah, he, he is pretty fresh faced. I, I imagine nepotism was pretty ripe in the empire. So maybe he's like uh, Palpatine's third nephew or something. Yeah. Hux is Hux is his first name, but he, he doesn't want to go by by, uh, you know, General Palpatine. Just he doesn't want to draw comparisons. Well, he, he, you know, he, there's a couple marriages and stuff in there. It's a, it's a loose association, but it was enough to get him through the academy. Yeah. So we find out in this movie that Ray is our force sensitive person. Now, let's uh, let's address some of the gripes. Ray takes to the force like a uh, what's that expression? Like a like a fly to shit. Yeah, or like a duck to water. Yeah. Yeah. Like in in no time at all, she's doing Jedi mind tricks and she's you know, having force visions when she picks up that lightsaber. Yeah. Besting folks that are trained in the force for their entire life. Well, you know, I've, I've read that at least the, uh, the people that are trying to reason away, I mean, he'd been shot by the bowcaster in his side, so he's pretty fucked up. And she, she showed that she was reasonably capable in a fight earlier, but yeah, I know that that's trying to create, uh, reasons why that could be feasible. Well, the my the t- thing I have a hard time with is that you know there's one thing to be force sensitive and to kind of be a natural. Yeah. You know, a, like young Anakin in the prequels was like that, and he was able to use that focus without even knowing it to be a good pilot and a few other things, right? Yeah. And being uh like force intuitive, where you just can do everything without you know without guidance or without eighteen months of training without any training at all like i mean she's able to pick up a lightsaber and block kylo ren's um brain rape (laughs) brain rape and you know read his thoughts back and mind trick the the stormtrooper played by daniel craig yeah and just all of the things she does uh you know with minimal training and so maybe she's super amazing and super great but it for me it's hard to have to wait to a third movie to explain that away. I, and imagine that that's a big pivotal part of the next movie is explaining why Ray is perfect. 
Yeah, because and I think that's an understandable gripe that that she is so great at these things that it's hard to invest in her journey as much as as it was. Uh, you know, it was easy with Luke's because you got to be with him every step of the way, um, even if they didn't explain that he was on Dagobah for eighteen months. But I mean, with Ray, it seems like she is quite literally on Octo with Luke, with him refusing to train her for a week. But I mean. Maybe it is like like Empire, you know, where where we just don't see that happen. But with this one, we were also following very specific or very time specific events with the other crew who uh, who was in the slowest space chase on Earth. It was like the O.J. Simpson of chase of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Kids, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the problem I had with Ray was that I just had a hard time empathizing or buying in to what she was doing because she just doesn't fail like the the yoda quote at the beginning the best teacher failure is at least in these two movies i've seen i can't think of a time where she actually failed at something yeah like there was a couple times where she struggled a little bit yeah like her life sucked in the beginning yeah but like once the actual journey started like there's no setback it's not like rocky where he gets his ass kicked and has to come back or the general hero's journey where which Given they don't have to do that, you don't have to do the hero's journey. There's plenty of different ways to tell a story, but this story, especially for trying to retread Star Wars like that, Star Wars is a, like a prime example of the hero's journey. Yeah, you know, it is the you know a play in three acts, and they're not even really following that. I mean, I guess the rebellion is down at the end of this of the second movie. Yeah, like they should be, but the first order's down pretty hard too. Like they took a pretty crushing blow. Their their giant capital ship and the Supreme Leader's been wiped out. They lost at least seven, you know, destroyers. And they've already lost their huge capital weapon. So they're maybe not as bad off as the resistance is, but the resistance was is always supposed to be underpowered. Yeah, yeah. They're they're the underdogs. They're the you know, like like that like that one meme said, you know, if if you wanted to look at it from the other end, they are sort of like the terrorist cell. You know, the insurgents that are that are bringing down the government. Oh, yeah. And I imagine in the in the universe, there's a lot of people that really don't sympathize with them at all. Yeah. But as the main character, usually their journey kind of mirrors that three act structure where, you know, you get introduced to them. They have some hard times that you see some potential. They fail or they get bested and then they come back in the end and are victorious because we know I don't think it's a spoiler like presumption that ray's gonna win in the end like, it never even occurred to me <laughs> you know, I mean, we all know that's where this story goes i don't yeah. think kylo ren's gonna win though if they pulled that out i would be pretty impressed yeah like that if they truly shocked me in the end with something like that i don't know if i'd like it but i'd be like all right guys you had me going there like i i you you got me but i can't think of any time where she really is bad at anything you know she she takes to the force super quick she's a great mechanic yeah, and, and, you know, she's been taking starships apart for a long time and selling the stuff, you know, living hand to mouth. So, I mean, she has to be that. It did strike me as odd that being as fantastic a mechanic as she is, she had to drag her stuff on a sled by hand. Like, you know, make one of those little floating platforms. <laughs> they seem pretty ubiquitous. But she she's good at that. She, you know, picks up a lightsaber for the first time and is, uh, you know, solid with it. She gets a blaster for the first time. I know she missed her first shot, but everyone after that was dead on. Hey, she learned from that failure. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. <laughs> she learned very well. She saw, oh, 
That's what missing feels like. I should not do that yeah, anymore. Yeah, that sucked. I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> She's better than, you know, trained from birth stormtroopers, which that's not a high bar. They for for being excellent precise soldiers, they uh they fall short a lot. Yeah. So I just had a hard time kind of getting compelled by her journey because she's basically just steamrolling through the plot. And it seems a lot of the time it seems more like the characters, uh, her included, but most of the characters in there, they're instead of reacting to the plot or the environment or what's happening, the plot is reacting to them. Yeah. Like they have their roles and the, you know, they're like, okay, she's the, uh, she's the Skywalker analog. She's going to go through, she's going to become a Jedi. All right. So we're going to send her to this place and, uh, She's just going to find Luke's lightsaber because it happens to be there. All right. Uh, next, we'll go through and uh, make sure that on this giant planet-sized base, uh, yeah, they just happen to run into each other. They, you know, this, It's like one could be in China and the other one could be in Mozambique, uh, where your chances of finding each other would be minimal. Yeah. Uh, it's just like the plot, a lot of the time, seems to kind of bend to serve them rather than the plot putting obstacles in front of them that they need to overcome yeah i could see that yeah like with the original trilogy they had their mission and the the obstacles they would run into were logically there and they were they were what they needed to get through in order to accomplish their mission it's like there's a an invisible hand and maybe there is maybe it all comes down to that there is uh you know the the force ghosts from all, all are kind of pushing her and pushing the universe in her favor and that explains it all. I don't know. Yeah, the force works in mysterious ways. Yeah, but it seems like that there is a there's an invisible narrator's hand lining things up, lining all the uh plot points up for them to sail straight through. Whereas in like in the original trilogy and most good movies, the it seems a bit more organic that the challenges seem real and the benefits, the things they get that help them along their way also just seem to come either naturally or they have to work for them. Like, I can't think of anything in the original trilogy that's much of anything other than at the very beginning with the droids happening to go to Luke. But, you know, they had to go to someone. Yeah. But they, they happened to get to Luke is kind of the most serendipitous thing that I can think of happening in the, in the original trilogy. And that seems pretty standard for your, uh, for your fa- fairy tale story structure. Yeah, and you're setting the plot up. Like, something, yeah. serendipity's got to get the plot rolling. But then it just seems to kind of keep intervening over and over and over in these movies they've got 10 hours to go find some dude that their only description is he's got some sort of flower pin on him in a casino to save the you know the the remainder of the rebel alliance and they can't find him but lo and behold they get thrown in a cell with a guy that can do it yeah and can break him out it's just like this is it just seems lazy to me yeah the one other person in that jail is somebody who can who can facilitate the one thing they need to do. Yeah, and they get thrown in his cell. There seem to be a lot of empty cells. I don't know why they're cramming them all together in one. I mean, there's a couple other people you could see hanging out as he was walking out. But I mean, the the writing on it just seemed kind of lazy plot-wise and easy for something like Star Wars where I really want it to be perfect, which it's not going to be. I get that. No. But I want it. That's what I'm looking <laughs> for is perfection. Yeah, that's still your job, filmmakers. Make it perfect for me. Yeah, there will always be gripes. But, I mean, it, it, some of this stuff is just, it's screenwriting 101. You know, the hero's journey is taught in, I think, every writing class ever. Yeah. that is, That is, you know, basic stuff. It is ubiquitous and it's been used a lot, but it's it's that for a reason. Yeah. 
because that is a compelling way to tell a story. And it, it, it's not as interesting when either someone is perfect and good at everything or someone is horrible and good at nothing. That's, usually, that's pretty tough <laughs> to do either. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be uh, more ripe for comedy there. Yeah, or or if nothing interesting happens to anybody ever, that's not a very good movie either. <laughs> like something something epic's got to happen, and you you've got to have a protagonist, and you want that protagonist to win, but it, it can't come easily. Yeah. Um. So what do you say? You want to take a break? Yeah. Let's do that. We'll be right back. Welcome to the movie cellar, where we have a VHS collection. So many fucking VHS tapes. An internet connection. It's acceptable. And extremely uninformed opinions. That you're kind of understating it. My name's Dan. I'm George. And I'm producer Chris. George, I really liked your interjections there. Yeah, it was a good Um, back and forth. So we're cutting a promo, so we should probably tell people what the fuck we do. Yeah, what do we do, producer Chris? What do you produce? We are a podcast that watches VHS tapes in alphabetical order. Yeah, man. That's basically it. We start the show with two movies on board from a certain letter of the alphabet. We flip a coin between them, take a brief intermission while we watch it, and then we come back and we talk about it. This one's way more boring. Like, this one sounds really good. good. This makes us sound like we know what the fuck we're doing. We don't. It's uninformed, man. Oh, shit. We're out of time. We're out of time. Bye. Welcome back. Right. So, how do you feel about our other core cast members? Like... For me, Finn and Poe, I don't know why, like, I, I I enjoy their interactions with each other, but for some reason, neither one of them feel like a real fleshed out character. And I'm not sure why, because we, we didn't get any more or less screen time with them than we did with, you know, Han Solo or Leia, like, developmental wise. So I'm I'm wondering why, for me, like, even though I love watching watching them work, like, like, like at, at the end of these these two movies, I really don't care about Finn. Like Poe got a little better in the second movie, but like I I don't know it it just seems like like they 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 don't do much that is that interesting. I don't know. I mean, I I kind of feel the opposite way about that. Like I like both of them. I like Poe. I think he's uh, I think he's a a a good foil to some of the stuff that's going on. He he definitely thinks he's a hero. He doesn't really change as a character at all. He's definitely kind of in the same guy he is at the beginning of The Force Awakens that he is at the end of The Last Jedi. Yeah. And maybe after, you know, realizing that he was kind of an ass and everything wrapping up the way it did, maybe he'll learn and kind of be a bit different in the next one. But I thought Finn had quite a bit of growth. I really liked at the beginning how legitimately terrified of the First Order he was. Mm-hmm. Like you could read that, you know, he'd been in there. He knows what they can do. He knows that they are super powerful assholes and he wants nothing to fucking do with them but he ends up uh befriending ray and and building a relationship that he's then willing to risk him himself for yeah because for the most for for the most part of force awakens in fact yeah until the very end like he's trying to get away like actively trying to leave and trying to dissuade ray from getting into into uh into the conflict yeah and he, he kind of fulfills part of Han Solo's role in the first one where he's, you know, the guy that's just there and he's got his own thing. He doesn't care about the cause and he's going to get out, but he ends up building relationships and sticking with it. Yeah. So I liked him and I, I, I do think they kind of fell down a bit on his character though. Um, he just doesn't, he didn't seem to like get as much character development or time. I, th- I thought there's a lot they could have done with a stormtrooper that defected. Yeah. 
you know, and, and ran off. Like, that's not a story we've heard before. Like, why would they do that? What, what fell apart there? Uh, you know, how, why didn't his programming stick essentially? Yeah. And, uh, they didn't really devote any time to that at all, other than he got in a fight, didn't like it and left. Well, and, and that, that's something that, that would have been cool to have if we had more time with him, because all of a sudden, you know, back, back in the day, it was clones, you know, it was a bunch of clone stormtroopers. But nowadays, they, they, they sort of break, make brief mention to getting these kids or getting these people when they're kids and like raising them and like you said, programming them to be foot soldier killing machines. And it would be really interesting to see some of that, uh, some of that training and some of what they go through. Maybe some flashbacks, some trauma or something in him to kind of flesh his character out. Yeah. Otherwise, he goes from I need to run away to I need to save Ray. And those are his only two motivations, really. And to me, like, you know, the movie starts out, he's part of a ground troop that is going and fucking some shit up. And all of a sudden he's just like, uh, what? And then he's like in a panic. And like, personally, when I first saw him, I was just like, what a pussy. Like, I mean, I, I get he's, he's seeing horrifying things that he doesn't want to be a part of, but he's just like, I gotta get out of here. And, um, yeah, like you said, it would have been interesting to see some of what could turn somebody like that. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think it was because it was like a Milai massacre thing where it's like, all right, what about all these civilians? Fucking kill them. What's Milai? Uh, in Vietnam, where they, uh, they a bunch of troops were ordered to go in and uh, basically uh, women and children gun and down and burn an entire village. Yeah, kill women, children, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, because you'd imagine that by his age, being a stormtrooper, he would have done something like that before. Well, that's the weird thing, too, because he mentions that it was his first battle. Hmm. Which seems kind of odd that that it took that long. You imagine the first order wouldn't be too opposed to child soldiers. Yeah, even though he was in he was in sanitation on the on the base. Yeah, you'd figure that that it wouldn't be then that they would start sending the janitors down. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> you know, everyone gets KP duty in the military at yeah. some point or another. The one thing I loved about that escape scene is you know Poe is on there, uh, Kylo Ren's brain raping him, and Finn breaks him out. Because he's a pilot. He's an ace pilot for, for the uh, rebellion. Wait, is that what that is? No, it's the re- resist. The resistance. It's yeah. the resistance in this. Have we said rebellion like a thousand times? Maybe. It is It is the rebellion. Yeah. Just like the first order is the empire. But it's the resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he breaks them out and they, they get into a TIE fighter. And what I loved was that for the very first time, you got to see somebody flying a TIE fighter in a way that isn't just like a mask. That's just sitting there very mechanically moving things. And like, I loved that when they finally break loose from the, uh, from the tether that, and they launch out, like Poe is like visibly like excited, you know, he's just like, Whoa, I think he says like these things really move or something like that. It's like, you actually get to see, um, some of the, some of the inner feelings and the inner mechanics of a TIE fighter. Cause they, they kind of look boring. Otherwise they don't move a lot. They're not very dynamic. Not even like a, like an X-wing will fly around in, in like a, you know, do maneuvers like a, uh, like a fighter pilot. But the TIE fighters just seem kind of stationary and they just sort of move around and they rotate. But you, you don't ever actually get a rush from seeing a TIE fighter. Oh yeah. They're fodder. Yeah. I mean, they're generally fodder. You don't really give a shit about who's in any of them. You know, they're just, uh, they're things to be blown up. So now with Kylo Ren, we've got a character that when we're introduced to him, he is very clearly on the dark side. You know, he's he's one of our main characters and we're watching uh, we probably see more 
development and growth with him than anyone else. Like he is from the start, he's conflicted. He's a bad, bad guy, but he's struggling with the light side at the same time. Yeah. I like how he's trying to be a bad guy. Yeah. He's struggling with it instead of like being a good guy that's struggling against the dark force. He's a bad guy struggling against the light. Yeah. Like in the, uh, in the original trilogy, you had Luke who was clearly the good guy. But he did have some of that darkness in him. And you saw that in uh, Return of the Jedi. You know, the Emperor was yeah. was trying to bring that out of him. And he really did unleash for a little bit before catching himself. But yeah, like you said, Kylo doesn't want to be a good guy. Uh, I like the paradigm kind of being flipped. Instead of the good guy being tempted by evil, it's the other way around. And so that's that's kind of a cool aspect of him. And his intro, he like he does come in kind of in a Vader-esque way. You know, he kind of marches out onto the battlefield. and. Starts whooping ass and has the ability to freeze a blaster bolt in midair. Yeah. I, I guess that's a thing now. New force powers. I'm not sure what they're made of. Like, are they plasma? Like, I always imagine them as much smaller things and they just look stretched out because they're going really fast. Yeah, like they're they're like hard light. Yeah, apparently they're like two feet long. <laughs> so, okay, sure, why not? But yeah, he comes out and he's a, pre- he's a badass. He's got all kinds of new powers and uh, and he is really moody. Yeah. Oh boy. He is uh what what many have described like uh like a super emo Darth Vader. Yeah. And he's I guess some of that makes sense. Like at least in the prequels, like the Jedi were all like you know, completely emotionless blocks of wood. Yeah. And uh, you know, because you couldn't you couldn't you had to hide your emotion and to keep it away from the dark side. Kylo really bought into the dark side, so he's feeling all kinds of emotions. Yeah, he's a sensitive boy. Yeah. Again, with being like the the Vader analogy uh, or the Vader analog, he wears a mask and it distorts his voice a little bit. And it, but what, one thing I liked is he really idolizes and embraces the fact that he is the grandson of Darth Vader and like that that whole ideology. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's probably the driving force behind him being on the dark side. He wants to be like his old grandpa, even going so far as to have his head. That he talks to. Yeah, he's got the little mangled mask of Vader that he has a little conversation with. When I was watching that recently, I was like, well, Anakin's got a force ghost out there. He, can't he just be like, hey, are you, are you talking to me? Yeah, no, don't do this dark side thing. I got redeemed. It's, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Either that or he, you know, he got redeemed and he's been hanging out with Obi-Wan and Yoda and was like, oh, fuck, I forgot how much I hated these guys. Yeah, these guys are boring <laughs> and, and they're, they're just posturing and, and you know postulating the whole time so holier than thou god (laughs) i made the wrong choice i'm gonna go turn my grandson evil so i've kind of got like a a a a bit of a theory about kylo ren that he's actually the protagonist okay because he is he is the one going on the hero's journey you know like he comes out he's he's you know he's powerful he's in a he's doing good he's got his stuff together and uh, he comes up against this young whelp out of nowhere who just whoops his ass. <laughs> they, they come over and they fucking blow his planet up and beat him in a fight and make him look stupid in front of his, you know, his boss. And his boss is a real dick to him about it. Snoke's just like, oh, you're a failure. Oh, Bob, you, you, it just, he's, he's a real you say, like ju- Just a, a child with a mask or something. Yeah. yeah. He's like teasing him about his mask and everything. He's a real ass, <laughs> you know? And, he, and so he's like, oh, he gets mad and he vows revenge and wants to get more powerful so that he can take out, you know, the, the, his enemies. And then he gets his ass handed to him again. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, so if is he the protagonist? Is he going to come back and be the big badass in the end and, and actually, you know, claim victory? My guess is that he'll probably claim victory through redemption. Ah, see that that's the whole that's the thing I that I see, that's what I loved about his uh his journey throughout this. Like even though, you know, spoilers at the end of Force Awakens, he kills his fucking father. You know, and yeah. and that was that was a that was a great scene in my opinion. Even though you saw it coming a mile away, like him saying that, you know, like he's he's struggling, you know, that he he's not sure that he can do the thing he needs to do and Han's there to help him and then and you know, what he needed to do was kill Han to, to go full bad. Yeah. And even after he does that, like he still hesitates in The Last Jedi when he has like what would be the kill shot on his mom. Yep. And he, you know, takes his takes his thumb off. But what I like is that by the end of Last Jedi, Kylo has gone full bad. He is the baddest he's been throughout this entire thing. He's taken the uh, the position of supreme leader. And I really would hope that they would embrace that and that the uh, the triumphant end would be, you know, Ray taking him down with him as as still a, a gnarly bad guy. But yeah, like I, I really, really don't want them to do the redemption arc. Yeah, because they, they kind of did that already. And but I, I think that's the natural place that it's going to go, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. and, and they're, they, you know, you can see the foreshadowing for it throughout all these. Though, from what I've read about you know reshoots and and recuts of the last one, I don't know if there was a cohesive vision through all of these. Um, like I don't, you know, I don't think they wrote all three of them before they started. Oh, they, they definitely yeah, did. They, they've definitely been kind of playing this by ear and uh, and listening to the whims of the masses along the way. And so I don't know if that's a good thing or it's generally a bad thing for great films. But uh, I don't know. Focus groups give you some good stuff. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy uh, benefited from was having having a clear path throughout the entire thing, like similar to how the the Marvel movies are doing it now, where they've got. They've got someone guiding them that knows where it's going, and that's how all the seeds can be planted and all the pieces can be moved. But with this one, you know, they're like, after after George Lucas, you know, just had free reign and fucked everything up, we're going to give it to these to these filmmakers that, you know, we're going to give them a little more freedom. Ha, Kathleen Kennedy could never do that, but that's what they said. And, um, you know, J.J. got it going. And then Ryan Johnson with uh, with The Last Jedi, from from what I've heard, sort of did a little more of what he wanted to than what was kind of planned. And he's, you know, he threw away a lot of the, a lot of the, the dangling threads from force awakens and didn't leave a whole, a whole lot set up for the next one. In my opinion, like I'm, I'm really curious to see what threads JJ is going to take from last Jedi and, uh, and you know, what he'll retcon or what he'll, um, embrace. It is weird because they went from him then to Ryan Johnson and now they're going back to JJ and uh, it's just it gi- it gives the trilogy an inconsistent feel. Um, originally, it was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow who did uh, Jurassic World, and when they were uh, writing it, I guess because they certainly hadn't done any any pre production or anything, they parted ways. Similarly to how you know like a uh, Lord Miller on uh, on Solo, and then. Um, What's his ass? Uh, Gareth Edwards on yeah. Rogue One. You know, like they just they clashed with with Kathleen Kennedy because she she had kind of the stranglehold over it or the or the the chokehold on the on the franchise and the property. 
So, so she she must have some sort of vision for Star Wars. I'm just not entirely sure what it is, other than girl power. <laughs> yeah, that comes through loud and clear. But I'm not sure what the actual like story guidance or you know that she's providing is. Yeah, from all intents and purposes, because Kathleen Kennedy, I mean, to her credit, she has been with uh, with Lucas for a long, long time, and even outside of that, just in Hollywood, like she has produced a shit ton of very successful films. So she is good at what she does, but I think what she's doing with star Wars and the vision she has is not lining up with what people want to see. So uh, reports or speculation is that after last Jedi, she's, she's out. She's going to yeah, go do her that. own thing. Yeah. And I, and I don't know, maybe that's good. I, I don't know where they go after this anyway, but it's, it is kind of it's just kind of disappointing to me that it, it doesn't seem like there was a vision behind this because Star Wars, if it's ever had one thing, it's a vision. Yeah. You know, the, the originals, the prequels, you can fault the execution and maybe have some questions about uh, how many midichlorians they put in the visions for the prequels. <laughs> but there was a cohesive vision and a, there was a story that, you know, Lucas essentially wanted to tell. And I don't get the feeling from these movies that there's a story they want to tell outside of, you know, a couple threads about how Ray is awesome. Yeah. How, you know, they want to make a strong female lead that is implacable and, you know, impossible to beat. And I don't know if that makes a compelling character. I don't know if that really does feminism any favors. Um, I, I, I don't think a, a perfect role model is a great role model. Yeah. Like, is Jesus a good role model? He's a nice guy and all, but he, he, he kind of can't fuck up and you're going to fuck up. <laughs> not if you're Jesus. Yeah, but you're not. No, <laughs> I'm certainly not. So, you know, you know, how do you, how, how do you learn how to handle failure when your idols never fail? Yeah. So one of, one of the things I love about force awakens that I, that I said before is that it feels like star Wars. Now, I think my biggest gripe with last Jedi was that to me, it didn't feel like star Wars. Like it, it felt it felt like like as much as Force Awakens was a love letter to the original trilogy, it felt like Last Jedi was more in sync with the with the sensibilities of the prequels. It felt like it didn't know what it wanted to be. It started out with like the Battle of Crate, where they're blowing up a capital ship, and I got when I was going through that, I made like a whole list of like this battle makes no <laughs> sense. What the fuck is going on here? Because the First Order's battle tactics are ridiculous now. Battle tactics have never really been a you know a focus point for um, any Star Wars movie. Yeah, so I, I can't really fault it for that. But just what is going on, and it just it made it, it was a showpiece for some battle action, and it did it did a pretty good job of that because it looked really cool. Uh, but otherwise, the the logic behind it all kind of confused me. And then it goes into basically poo pooing Luke. And saying like you know uh, Luke he, he giving up and saying he doesn't want to train and all that, and then the resistance gets caught up and you're like oh no yeah here's where shit really hits the fan and then it turns into like this weird caper thing in a casino for half an hour yeah they're like what the hell is this why is this here this doesn't make any sense like we got ten hours of fuel you're gonna fly and try and find some dude in a casino and push your animal rights agenda. <laughs> and just just like what is going on here like why you know you're you're gonna get there and be like oh capitalism is so awful and look how they're treating these people-faced horses <laughs> and it's like what is the p- 
purpose of this entire sequence. Just the whole thing seemed like half-baked. Like they kind of had some ideas and they thought, well, then this will be cool. Then this will be cool. Then why don't we do this? But it doesn't really come together as a cohesive film. Yeah. Well, yeah. And spread throughout that movie is what is to me like uh, not inappropriate, but but the, a, a sense of humor that seems out of place in Star Wars to me. Like Star Wars has always had humorous elements. But to me, like it, it just seemed a little slapstick, like like starting or maybe not slapstick, but just like like modern comedy, like the the whole call to General Hux where he's like where he's pretending he can't hear him. And like, like it's it's like it's super jokey joke. And it, it, it almost feels like, like a like a Marvel influence, you know, where it's like we have to make these things like funny well joke joke punch is a winning combination yeah, it's from marvel shit yeah I'm, so i'm pretty sick of it i i thought it was at least consistent with poe's character yeah like it it seems like he's the kind of snarky guy that would do something like that to buy time potentially knowing that uh hux is a little self-righteous and and you know it could buy him a few more seconds at least it had a purpose it wasn't just him like you know going all deadpool and being a dick like he was buying time <laughs> So, so that one didn't bother me. I mean, I appreciated that they were a lot less campy than the prequels. That there wasn't, you know, inserted comic relief or cutesiness with the exception of those little fucking penguin things. Yeah, the porgs. Yeah. And like, I, I know I've spoken to you about this before, but like what really chapped my ass, what took me out of out of the movie in Last Jedi was was when you get back to Luke, like, you know, the the very person that I want to see from the original trilogy and you know, Ray's holding out that lightsaber as the last movie ended. And I don't know, I don't know why or how, like, I don't know what would make me think this at all. But, but when Luke grabs that lightsaber and he looks down at it, like I had this moment of like, don't you fucking throw that thing. Like you're going to toss that thing. Aren't you? Don't fucking do it. Don't you fucking do it. And then he does it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that to me just see, I mean, I imagine that was, you know, Mark Hamill, very publicly had issues with uh with the treatment of the character like i think he he was quoted saying like that he told ryan johnson that he disagrees with every choice they made for that character you know it it seemed so out of character for him like okay he's he's a uh disillusioned old man that doesn't want any part of it but but it, it just it seemed like one of those things where like oh this would be so funny in this dramatic moment if they just had luke toss that lightsaber <laughs> yeah I, I i gotta say though uh i've seen a lot of people give daisy ridley stuff for saying like she you know she's not very expressive mm-hmm. and that she's she's kind of got you know boring straight face the whole time which i disagree with completely i think she's quite expressive like, like you get a lot of emotions and and things from her facial expressions but that one right there when he throws like the, the like the look of like what the fuck on her face was spot on <laughs> it was exactly how i felt when he threw the lightsaber yeah. <laughs> and uh and, and i think the confusing part or the, the confused part when they wrote it was maybe like the motivation they gave luke you know that he was training kylo and kylo turned to the dark side and they had a falling out and everything got destroyed and so he said fuck it you know the you know the, the jedi shouldn't exist anymore and gave up is a reasonable bit of motivation. Like I could understand for most people that that would be a sensible reaction. Yeah. But I don't feel that that would be Luke's reaction. I mean, this is the man that redeemed Darth Vader. So the idea that he would see a, one of his pupils turning towards the dark side and be like, oh, well, 
fuck, they're, they're done with. Peace. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I'm, I'm giving up all hope now is just absolutely ridiculous to me. It's not so much him being this old hermit guy that really chaps my hide because uh, apparently being an old hermit has a uh, long history in the Jedi Order. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, the, uh, what drove him to that is what kind of just seems inconsistent to me. Yeah. When I watched it the first time, I really disliked it. Like, it really busted my balls hard. Like, I did not enjoy it. It, it, it was like, why are they doing this to Luke? This is this is not the Luke anybody wanted to see. Are they worried about him upstaging Ray? Yeah. Is, is that why they got to make him this crotchety old loser that's not that great <laughs> you know why do they got to take like our our heroes of yore and turn them into disillusioned moody assholes because they seem it just seems like a trend these days yeah and you know what okay sure send him off to an island he's he's doing his hermit thing but when when he's called to action you know like a classic hero's journey call to action refusal refusal of the call and then you and then an inciting incident that, you know, gets you to, to take it up, which he did eventually get that that incident. But he spent the entire movie just telling her to fuck off and not training her. And yet she still came out of it with, as, as if she had spent that 18 months training. Yeah. Well, and, and just like the Chris Nolan Batman movies, like he, he spent the whole time not wanting to be Luke Skywalker. And Batman spent the whole, all three of those movies not wanting to be Batman. Yeah. And angsty Superman, you know, didn't want to be Superman. It would be a crab fisherman or something, you know? And it's like, let the heroes be heroes. Well, let's not bring Superman into this. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of the send-off they gave him either. Like, he comes back in the end as like a force projection, which was, it was kind of cool, but then it, it kills him, I guess. Yeah, he he shoved all of all of his force energy out into the universe to project himself billions of miles away and actually be able to, you know, give something physically to to Leia and uh, trick a whole gaggle of people into seeing him like that. That's a that's that's a new force power. Holy shit. But I mean, the nostalgic part of me loved seeing luke with a haircut and seeing him in his in a, in a jedi get up lighting up that lightsaber oh, yeah. watching him do some fighting again well i really yeah. wanted to see a lightsaber battle with luke again i get now well i guess i guess i don't get it if he could interact physically with leia then why couldn't he interact physically with kylo but it was cool seeing him do those little those little dodgy do's and um but so on on the topic of lightsaber battles though like somebody pointed this out to me Last Jedi is the first Star Wars movie where there isn't a proper lightsaber duel. Like you've got the scene with uh, with Kylo Ren and Rey taking on you know whatever the the new version of the Crimson Guard is. Oh yeah, the Praetorian Guard. Yeah, and they 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 can they can fight lightsabers, but there wasn't an actual lightsaber duel in this movie. That's true. Yeah, and that that bums me out because as we've said before, you know Jedi and lightsaber are are why I'm there. Well, and the lightsabers look so good in these movies. Oh, they do. Yeah. They look so rad. I, I really, Kylo Ren got a lot of shit for his lightsaber because a lot of people didn't like it. I think that thing's cool as hell. Yeah. Why not? It's got the, like the little hilt sticking out on it. Like that's a neat little feature. And I like how it's, it's all ragged and evil looking. Like that, that is an evil looking lightsaber, man. It does seem like that would be hazardous. Like he, he would accidentally lightsaber his leg several times. There is nothing 
that isn't hazardous about a damn lightsaber. Yeah, but at least at least normal ones just point in one direction. Like you gotta worry about like eight inches on either side of of your of your uh, handle. Uh, yeah, you just you just hilt, I believe, but you just train. Well, isn't the hilt the actual the actual like top part where the where the two yeah, where little the beams come out. come out? Yeah, no, I meant I meant eight inches from the from the middle. Oh, okay. the little grippy do. Yeah, the grippy do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that that lightsaber battle in Force Awakens was tits. Oh yeah, it was it was rad. The, the outcome of it kind of was a little odd for me. Like I really think she should have lost that. Not because I don't like Ray, but. She needs to lose something. She needs to be put on her back foot. She needs to be like, you know, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this new power. I'm getting these feelings and getting confident. Cool. And go into a battle and realize you got a lot to learn. You need training. Like, why is she even su- seeking out Luke for training? She seems to be coming along just fine. Yeah. And like, like Luke, he had his lightsaber battle in Empire and he lost that he shit. Ass whooped. Yeah. And then, so he earned his victory in Return of the Jedi. Like that, that's the thing. Like, especially if it's a trilogy, a new trilogy of characters, like you can't have them do their, their full triumphant arc in the first, you know, that, that would be like Rocky knocking out Apollo Creed in in the end of the first movie. Like, no, just surviving would be the victory for that movie. And, you know, she, she had her, her Hollywood triumphant moment of, you know, when she's holding them off, like channeling the force. And then all of a sudden she's a badass That's not just sitting there lunging over and over again. Well, it's almost played like she forgot the force was a thing. You know, he comes up, he says something and she's like, oh yeah, the force and like yeah. closes her eyes and then she becomes like turbo badass. Meanwhile, like, like she does that for like 10 seconds. Like why didn't Kylo Ren just like kick her right yeah. then? Like she's yeah. not even looking. She's also like right on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be like force push. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, no Problem shit. Problem solved. Yeah. And, and one thing we, we were talking about earlier was, was the, uh, the light effects. Oh yeah. They are awesome. So in all of the previous movies, these things were just solid beams of light and they, but they didn't give off light, but that was something that was so cool in that, in that final, uh, duel where like it's dark outside and those things are just straight up like creating their own light. Yeah. That you see them reflected off the trees and the snow and like their steam when they hit the snow. Yeah. And, uh, and like, um, in the, the battle with, uh, you know, after they kill Snoke, it's not the battle with Snoke. He didn't really do much fighting there. Yeah, no shit. When Kylo Ren lights up his lightsaber, you just, you know, you don't see his lightsaber, but you hear it and you see the red light on his face. Yeah, yeah. The effects on on the lightsabers are so good. I love them. Now, how do you feel about Snoke in general? Because in the first one, you know, he was a giant projection, of course, calling back to the Emperor. He was, he's the supreme leader. And then... You know, in the second one, he, he he's given physical form, fucking weird looking in that weird gold robe he wears. But then Ryan Johnson and crew decided to just sort of kill him off. I was going to say, I don't think I have any feelings about Snoke. Yeah, they didn't give us a reason to have any feelings. Yeah, I don't know if I care. It'd be like if the first time you saw the Emperor, he got killed. Like, well, I yeah, he was just kind of barely around. So he wasn't the main bad guy in Star Wars until the very end. And then he kind of, you know, took over and did some bad guy shit. Yeah. But otherwise, Darth Vader is clearly the bad guy yeah. in, the, in the original ones. And it's even treated that way in the movie. Like, people are like, you know, oh, the mighty Darth Vader, Darth Vader this. Like, they mention Vader a bunch of times. They don't ever mention Palpatine. No one mentions Sidious. Well, I think Luke men- mentions him once. But yeah, it's just, you know, Vader was the, the big bad and the Emperor was kind of some sprinkles on top. And Snoke wasn't even that. He was like the 
I don't know, the the bowl that the ice cream was in. I have no idea <laughs> where that analogy goes. <laughs> the ice cream analogy is not flawless. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think he was very well animated. At least the textures weren't. He he just he looked really obviously CGI. Yeah, yeah, similar to like Grand Moff Tarkin in in Rogue One, where you're like, oh, that is not a real person at all. Yeah, yeah, which which was kind of the exception for these movies. Like most things were pretty dang good. Yeah, and like we live in a world now where like with the uh, with the Marvel movies with that that Thanos, like that's that's probably yeah. the best CGI humanoid character I've ever seen. Like I can watch that movie and actually forget at times that he is not really there yeah as much as i bash on cgi it's getting really good yeah <laughs> so yeah when you pour 300 mil into a movie yeah yeah it's finally coming into its own so the uh the last jedi ends with uh with snoke is dead kylo ren is the supreme leader now he's gone super evil he's pissed because luke wasn't really there even though he you know he he was ready to kill luke He's there. He's ready to be the big bad. I um, mean, he's got his general Hux there too. Then we see the resistance uh, make their escape. We've got Ray, who's gone super force power because she lifted some rocks now. Which, speaking of bad CGI, I don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> holy shit, that looked. I don't know that. Were they running out of money by the end of the movie? There, <laughs> yeah. And like, she only really needed to move like three rocks. She's showing off. Yeah. Like she she lifted like, like all the rocks. Yeah, 87 rocks. And she has <laughs> left them dangling there in the air. And she could shove them off to the side. I, honestly, I got to say, I would be a bit nervous to come out of that cave. Yeah. Can, you, can you put those down before yeah, right. I come out of here? That's terrifying. <laughs> all right, ready? Go, 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 go. Um, and uh, Luke is dead. And Poe and Finn and Ray are all back together again. Leo got away. Um, so unless Luke force teleported, maybe that's a thing now too. Yeah. Who knows? They're just making stuff up. No shit. Yeah. I mean, and in every star Wars movie, like they, they seem to be adding force powers anyway. So I guess it's not totally inconsistent that they're, you know, I mean, there could be things that we just never knew because we never saw them do it. As long as they're cool and they serve a purpose. Doesn't bother me. Yeah. I want to see force. like it's force, magic. force laser vision or something. It's literally magic. Yeah. So sure. Why not? Yeah. I think the thing that disappointed me the most about Last Jedi while I was watching it the first time was after the the Snoke scene when Kylo Ren is like, join me, we, you know, we'll, we can rule the galaxy. And me while watching it was like, oh, please do it. Join him. Please join him. I really, really hope that she does that. I thought for a second she would. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know whether or not she would, but I really wanted, to, I was like, please, 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 because then I don't know where the story's going anymore. <laughs> yeah. I will be surprised and I will get something new. Like, what, what how does that work out? What is going to happen then? The two most powerful Jedi, like, you know, people with force powers are going to be in the first or like, what, what happens now? And uh, no, it didn't happen. It, no. it went exactly like you would expect it to. And I was, that was kind of a letdown because like up to that point, I I was not super impressed with the movie you know it was like i said it was kind of a, a bit of a mess and, and you know the whole luke thing and so it's like you know that was its chance to redeem itself in my eyes and i was like okay if you do that i might get excited about this again because that would be nuts to me i wouldn't know what to do with that and then it didn't and that kind of soured the end of the movie for me and then it went on for like another 30 minutes after <laughs> yeah that. well and and watching that watching that movie i went in with expectations of Okay, this is the empire of the new trilogy. So it could end really dark. This could be 
are equivalent of Luke getting fucked up and Han getting frozen in carbonite. Like, are they going to leave us shocked and go like, what the fuck is going to happen in the next movie? Um, but yeah, like you said, did not happen. Oh boy. That's something we need to talk about while we're running out of time here. Yeah. Han Solo, Leo Organa. We haven't talked about him yet. What about him? What do you mean, what about him? What'd you... <laughs> so, what'd you think of Han Solo coming back? Personally, I mean, I was into it. I mean, it, 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 was, it was hard seeing Han Solo as anything more than just sort of like old Harrison Ford. I thought he brought the same vibe back. I think he solidly played Han Solo. Yeah. You know, he, he had, he's old, he's got some resentment, some regret, but he felt like Han Solo. Han Solo was very much Harrison Ford, too. Like, yep. There wasn't a huge gap in their personalities there, I don't think. I, I wasn't the hugest Han Solo fan as a kid, so I don't think I have the same attachment that other people do as well. But like, I don't feel like there was as many opportunities for an older Han Solo to be the brash, smooth-talking Han Solo that he was when he was a kid. It was cool seeing him try to talk his way out of, uh, you know, in, in his intro scene from the, those guys that were coming for his ass, you know, talking about Kanja Club, giving him money and he wants it back and all that shit. But it was cool seeing him back because I wanted to see those characters in a new Star Wars movie. So it was like, all right, great. We have Han Solo. Fantastic. The, the, that's that's uh, the old the old timers way back into these. And then with Leia, like it was cool seeing her. But I, I mean, I hate to sound shallow as fuck, but it was shocking seeing her at first. She she lived a very big, rough life and she she just she looked haggard and it it was it was a bummer. And like her face was kind of frozen. So her her uh, her line delivery suffered from it as well. Yeah, And she sounded old. Yeah. But I, I got to say that even this, watching it again today, the uh, the first scene when she steps out and, you know, greets Han Solo. Uh, I, I still got a little bit of feels from that. I was like, you know, got a little bit of stirring down in the guts. Yeah. And it was really good. You know, the way they froze when they saw each other and then, you know, like the, the music rising there yeah. and then, and then, uh, you know, when, when they see each other and, oh no, may, oh no, it's when Han Solo is leaving and, you know, she's saying like, go get our boy. And like, they look at each other and I loved that what JJ did with that was he didn't have them go in for some stupid kiss that would be out of place. Like, you know, they went in for an embrace and she just rested her head on his chest. And it was like a, it was two people that genuinely cared for each other and cared about the future of their, their offspring, you know? And like, it, it was, it was very appropriate to me. Yeah. They didn't go in for the cheese ball kiss. No, I, I thought that, I thought their relationship was handled gracefully. And it was really good seeing Leia back you know, that she's still there and she's still leading the resistance. You know, she is still a leader. Everybody respects the fuck out of her. Oh, yeah. And they should. Yeah. They, you know, they killed Han Solo off. And I've, I've kind of said in the past that uh, it's like they needed to kill somebody. And uh, you didn't quite care enough about the new characters. They had to kill off someone you cared about. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so they had to get rid of Han Solo. And Harrison Ford has publicly wanted Han Solo to die. Yeah. Like he wanted him to get killed off in Jedi because he just felt like hit like Han's arc was done. He added value here. So I, 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 you know, I think he still had a little bit of a part to play and I think his arc is definitely done now. And I think they did it, ended it respectfully. Well, and, and I liked how, how when they reintroduced Han, I liked that his story went that he left the hero life and went back to smuggling because, because yeah. then he was a flawed character again. 
you know, where, whereas in Jedi, he was just hero man, general Han Solo. Um, so it was, it was cool seeing, seeing him having to get back into everything. Yeah. Having to confront some of his old demons. Yeah. And then, so what'll be interesting in the future is, well, I guess we can, we can lead into, uh, you want to start talking about, uh, hopes and dreams for the future? Oh, we better because we're running out of time. We got to go see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Leia specifically, like even, I mean, the, so, uh, of course, Carrie Fisher passed away mm-hmm. and what's interesting is that even at the end of, uh, of last Jedi, they sort of set it up to where she's passed the reins onto Poe Dameron to, to lead everybody. But, um, Which I think it's a terrible decision. <laughs> yeah. This is not very wise. Um, but, uh, reportedly they're going to be using, uh, footage from the cutting room floor that they're going to manipulate into her being in episode nine. I hope she doesn't look shitty. Well, they're they're not going to be like CGIing or doing any mocap. Like they're going to have to do some. From what they're saying, that's not going to be the case. And I don't Mm. know if they're just going to try to work in like a she says goodbye thing. You know, like okay, they're going to go off on their mission, and then I mean they 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 don't necessarily have to kill off Leia. She just has to not be a part of the action anymore. So what are we, what are we hoping for? Cause as, as we've seen from, have you seen any trailers? Yeah. Like they're, they're sort of pushing the idea that we've, we're getting Emperor Palpatine back. His, his voice is in those trailers. Yeah. We've seen a little shot of what could be a, uh, a Ray with a hood and some weird flicky double-sided, uh, red lightsaber looking evil. I mean, she should definitely have like a Darth Maul style lightsaber staff if she's going to build her own lightsaber. I mean, the, the one she had was broken at the end of the last movie. So she's got to build her own lightsaber now, right? That's what Jedi do. And she's, she's always been, you know, like her traditionally, she's kind of a staff type fighter. So I'm hoping she's got like a staff type lightsaber. Oh yeah. That would make sense. She did have that staff. Yeah. Do you hope to see any of our core cast die? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see someone die. I want someone in this in this generation to have some stakes or, you know, because right now, if one of them gets in mortal peril, I'm not going to feel any tension because I'm not sure they're going to kill anybody. Yeah. Oh, and touching on that real quick, end of last Jedi, Finn should have died. Finn totally should have died. He could have gone out like a freaking hero. Oh man. Instead of bringing Rose Tico in there and schmaltzing it up. Oh, that was so stupid. That Okay. And she's not no. dead either. No. So, uh, yeah, he should have died like a hero. I, I think that would have been a much better bit there, but yeah, because then they still could escape out the back. I mean, they're not just walking out the front with all those badass looking ATATs out there. Yeah, I could go either way on someone dying. Like, I don't. Someone doesn't need to die, but it would be nice to have someone die. Mm-hmm. You know, or at least to have someone to have some sort of emotion. You know, uh, some weight on it, some sort of stakes. Because otherwise, like, I'm not sure what I care. Like, do I care about the resistance? Do I really empathize with them? I'm not sure. Like, the, you know, the New Order blew up the New Republic, but I totally didn't give a shit about the New Republic. Yeah. Yeah. You're I like, knew, oh, wait, who's that? Oh, they exist. I knew not nothing anymore. about them. How, and, and why was Leia not involved in the New Republic? You imagine that, like, after leading the Reb- rebellion victoriously against the Empire, that she would be like a senator or chancellor or some sort of figurehead leading the new government. But what did, what did she do? Just like walk away until she realized there was something and then put together a ragtag group of rebels? Yeah. Why isn't she leading the, the New Republic armies? 
I would have liked to have seen some more time on, uh, what was it called? Whatever Prime, the Hosnian Prime, is that it? Uh, the I don't new know. capital? Yeah, you don't know, because they only <laughs> mentioned it in passing that they blew up the Hosnian <laughs> system. It, it, you know, so it's just like, you see like one shot of people going like, what's that? And then they die. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't think on, on <laughs> first watch I even knew what the significance of that star system was. I thought it was just a display of power. They're like, look, we can destroy a star system. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's just not, I don't know, didn't carry any weight. I think it would have been better if they had waited, you know, if that was the big threat for that movie and they had gone to like try and stop them from blowing up Hosni and Prime and, and destroying the New Republic and spent some time with like, Maybe Leia going like, hey, there's some shit's going to happen. And they're like, oh, no, rally the forces and, and give us a little bit of time on a little bit of time with the New Republic so we could understand what their capabilities were, what their situation was, why we gave a shit if they died or not. Yeah, there could even be like a resistance base there. Yeah, and something. Then, yeah. And calling back to that. And then the, then in the end, they're trying to stop Starkiller base from blowing up the Hosnian system and they fail. Yeah. And it blows it up anyway. And then they're like, oh, no, we just lost the New Republic. We're all that's left. And you could, you know, jump in from there. Yeah. but And you still have your happy ending because Ray beat Kylo Ren. Um, now, do you want to see Force Ghost Luke? I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, I wasn't that thr- thrilled. I, I certainly don't want to see Palpatine. As soon as I heard him laugh, I was just like, oh, but... <laughs> Well, you guys are just really, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel here, aren't you? Well, and now in the uh, in the first two movies, there is a there. The big mystery is who are Ray's parents? So in the first one, you know, you're you're going, holy shit, is she a Skywalker? Is she a Kenobi? Is she a Palpatine? And then in the second one, Ryan Johnson, another one of his threads that he just sort of throws away like Snoke. He's like, oh yeah, they're nobody. They were just some fucking junk traders, like. Well, and that could be a load of horseshit. Exactly. So are what what kind of uh, what kind of conclusion would you hope for? One of the things from Last Jedi that I thought was kind of intriguing, you know, when she went into like the force cave. Yeah, that uh, it was, you know, and her vision was basically like a whole shit ton of her. And then she's like, where's my parents? And she sees herself. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if she was, you know, um, maybe not a clone, but maybe she was like test tube engineered. That is, that is a, a big, uh, a big fan theory yeah. that is going around, which would maybe help explain why she's so force intuitive. Yeah. Maybe she was engineered specifically to be that. Yeah. And like, I'm trying to keep that out of my head because if, if that, if, if that's in my head and that is the case when I'm watching the movie, it will sort of take away from it a little bit. Like, Oh, okay, cool. Saw it coming. But yeah, that, I mean, um, imagine if, uh, if that's the case and like, you know, someone was like trying to do like a clone army, hell Palpatine's back. Maybe that's his plan. Yeah. Maybe Palpatine's back and he's making like this super Jedi clone army or super Sith clone army, I guess it would be. And, uh, she was one that was like escaped or kidnapped. And so at the end, like Palpatine's out there and like, there's like a hundred rays behind him. Yeah. He's just like, fuck her up. Well, and, and that's the thing with uh, with the trailer that shows like what is supposedly an evil ray. Like, oh look, there there's oh, another one. Shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I I don't know if I like that plot. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess the the problem was I don't think that was the, it wasn't the plot from the beginning, and so it's just it's like they're kind of jamming this puzzle together as they go. Well, and like, what did we foreshadow for? What could we do? Hmm. 
well, we could use this and pretend it was foreshadowing for this thing. Okay. Yeah, and and I I really think that that is the case because yeah. there was there was no clear communication about story direction between like JJ to Ryan Johnson to Colin Trevorrow, but you know back to JJ, you know, because that so they're they're just sort of picking each other's threads up and going like, okay, what do we want to use? What can we use? What can we do? Like the, you you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were talking about a lack of consistent vision. Yeah, which is so. disappointing. That, that I just I expect more out of Star Wars, or I hope for more out of Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> That's why I I was pretty stoked when I heard they're getting rid, of, they're abandoning the trilogy idea. So if there are any Star Wars movies to come out, at least the plan right now is that they're not doing tri- a, a trilogies anymore. It'll all just be standalone flicks. Interesting. And I like that idea because I like what they're doing with the Mandalorian and some of the other stuff where there's this huge universe. Tell some other stories. Make them interesting. I like seeing more of the Star Wars universe, but, you know, I'm kind of, especially after this, I, I think we're all going to be done with the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I'm ready to be done with it, just like I was ready to be done with the Infinity Saga at the end of uh, yeah. Endgame. Tell another story. You got an entire galaxy to tell from. And, and you know, if, if you don't want to follow canon, you want to tell some like Elseworlds or like what if kind of stuff, go out to the unknown ter- the unknown region or the the outer rim where the empire's influence was never that big in the first place yeah and you could just tell a cool space story with some of the same races and technology and stuff uh, as before yeah and you won't have all the uh all the baggage that goes along with yeah. it that, that kills a movie like solo because there's you know you're you're telling a story in a world that people already have so many opinions on i i liked solo like yeah. like i wouldn't put it on one of my top movies but i i'd I don't think it deserves the vitriol that is pointed at it. Yeah, maybe one day I'll finish it. I didn't think it was that. And I liked Rogue One, too. I, I liked Rogue One better than any of the, the sequel trilogy so far. Oh, wow. Ooh. Um, well, what do you say we, uh, we go ahead and we go see this fucking Rise of Skywalker? I don't know. <laughs> I'll go see it. I'll let you know how it was. <laughs> Thank you very much for rehashing all of this with us today, folks. If uh, if you want to let us know how we did, you can email us at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com or you can hit us up on the social medias, Facebook uh, page, Geek Exploration the Podcast, Instagram, Geek Exploration the Podcast, and Twitter at GeeksplorePod. And if you enjoyed today's show, please give us a five roasted porg review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. We still have swag available at shop.geeksploration.com podcast.com and our theme song as always is cruising for goblins by kevin mcleod of incompetech.com until next time <laughs>